You're listening to the Sage Hill Podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd. Sage Hill is a social impact organization that helps people see who they are made to be so they can do what they are made to do. In this podcast, Chip sits down with Phil Herndon, the clinical director of the Center of Professional Excellence, to discuss how our feelings are the tools to living fully. Hey, Phil, I'm hoping that some people, you know, listen to me and you uh, talk about how you and I came to be in this same room together, really, mm-hmm. and uh, even touched on synchronicity, serendipity, lanyapi, convergence. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but we were talking about also just trusting the process. Do you know, like, mm-hmm. like there is a process, and the process itself of life is not something that you and I are in charge of. We are powerless over the process. Therefore, if we run from facing that condition, we cannot surrender to it. We're always running from the process, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. taking control. Mm -hmm. Relief, control, survival. And the process requires, I would not say demands, but it has a requirement, not a, a dues that we pay, but a willingness that we have it, it requires that we have to feel because to even to go into the process is scary because we're saying, I have no control, and yet I'm trusting that this thing will take me someplace I need to be, want to go even, made to be. And usually it's because we it's bad enough on land, so to speak, that we will put ourselves into the river. Yeah. You know? And I watched you and paid attention. You, you mentioned that, you know, and I'm talking, I know I'm talking about the book I wrote, but I could also say it from the book I was given, so to speak. Would you mm-hmm. not say that? You know, like, all I did was speak what has been spoken for years and years and years and years. I call it a two-dimensional picture mm-hmm. of a three-dimensional and fourth-dimensional life. But it really does, it's the language of the river in so many ways. It's not the language of the land. Uh, you know, it's the language of the process. It's not the language of control, but it gives us a sense of being able to articulate what's happening in the ineffable. Now, I know those two words are in conflict. To articulate the ineffable means to be able to speak the unspeakable, (laughs) but it allows us to stutter and stammer, as Thomas Lewis says, to bring out of the dark regions of the emotional and memory world what it's like to be alive and what what makes us run from living. So with all that said... Um, what what is the spiritual root system and the list of the eight feelings and the impaired and the repaired and the gifts of them? What what happened when you you got that book? It's like you went resonate. You went yes, this is so. Mm-hmm. And then you say it works. Stephen James says it works mm-hmm. if you work it, as we've heard mm-hmm. before. So. How did you come to integrate it so much, or did it, it meet you, and you met it, and you went, yeah. yeah. Reading the book, I found myself over and over and over, over and over and over saying things like, oh, yeah, of course, uh-huh, that makes sense. And it, mean, it made sense like a math problem makes sense. It made sense like, yeah, that's, that's word. I'm, I'm now seeing words that describe how my life has gone. 
You know, some uh -huh. people mean, well, okay, well, these are words that describe how life goes. Yeah. Like, my life's gone this way. But this is how life, this is how life goes. It just goes this way. Like, like right now. Like, I'm, when I'm, it's intuitively true that when I stand at the graveside of someone I love, I have something happen inside of me that's not fact-based. The facts are this person stopped breathing and they're not alive anymore. Now, yeah. That body's empty now. So the that's the is what it is. Yeah, that's yeah. is what it is, yeah, all uh -huh. that stuff. Uh -huh. But the real truth is I'm having this thing rise up in me that is called sadness. Uh-huh. Situation like that. Uh -huh. I'm sad about something and I I honor and you know, the book says you know, we honor memory of relationship and honor the loss and I uh, I'm, I'm paying attention to that voice inside of me that I believe comes from the Holy Spirit that says this person, for instance, and that, that whose body's lying in this casket by putting this hole, is very valuable. And there are things I've had with this person that I will never have on this earth again. And there's something attached to that. It's called sadness. And there are things I wish had happened with this person that didn't happen on this uh -huh. earth. And there's a feeling associated with that called sadness. It's beyond content and data. Let me give you an example of it. I was standing in the first base coach's box. Uh, Luke was playing Little League Baseball. He was about 10 years old, maybe maybe 12. So this is a story of life. It's not even a story of death. No. I mean, you, sadness that has it's, to do it's, with life. It's life that has death in it. Uh-huh. Uh, and he uh, he hit a home run. It's one of those home runs where it left the bat. Like, uh -huh. I mean, you're, you know, you're Tennyson Williams' dad. You know all about that. Uh -huh. So that, that ball <laughs> left the bat, and it was absolutely, he just killed it. And so if you think about a baseball field, I walked toward home plate as he was trotting toward first. Yeah. It was one of those sling the bat and trot because uh -huh. it's a home run. Uh -huh. and I so gave he's him already playing TV. Oh, yeah. He, he's already bat flipping. Yeah. So he's walking, he's running, trotting toward first base. I gave him a high five. Uh -huh. I kept walking. If you picture, I'm walking toward home plate. So I knew when he rounded third and he came around third uh -huh. base, he'd be coming to home and his right. teammates mobbed him. And right. afterward, I slapped high five. I walked back to the first base coach's box. Uh -huh. I reached in my pocket to grab my phone to call my dad, who had died about five years earlier. Oh. Immediately, I wanted to call him. And so when I reached my phone to, for my phone to call him, I felt something. Uh -huh. It's called sadness. I had uh -huh. this recognition. We teach all the time. It's in the book. There's a gift associated with feeling celebration. sadness. celebration. Yeah. And this gift associated with sadness is called acceptance. Yeah. Acceptance, you know, working definition, it's not okay, uh -huh. and it's okay uh -huh. uh, type thing. And in Even that, down to it's okay, it's not okay, and that's okay, and not being okay. Right. <laughs> and in that moment, it was really, really not okay, even yeah. though it had, it's okay. Yeah. It was not okay right then. Yeah. So I remember after that game calling you, I remember saying, hey, you are a terrible second choice, but you're about the best <laughs> I've got. <laughs> Luke did his first home run. I remember that. And you celebrated. You said, you're absolutely right. That's 12 right. years ago. That's a long that's, time. That's 13 years yeah. ago. That's right. 10, 12 10, years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I remember so that. That, was a, that was a celebration of something Luke did. And in his moment of gladness like crazy, I had this moment of huge sadness. How come me. you didn't keep it to yourself? Right. I, you know, because I remember, I literally remember, I was outside. I was at a ballpark. Mm -hmm. I was at a ballpark somewhere else, Phil. Yeah. And you called me, and uh -huh. I remember leaning on the fence and celebrating that. Uh-huh. Well, how come you did it? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have done that in the past. Because, in the title of the book, I had this voice in my heart rising uh -huh. up 
that was a description of a life I was living. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to describe, oh, Chip, it was a left center field. He had a 29-ounce bat, I believe. Yeah. He hit it about left center field, probably nice. went about 20, 25 feet over. And, yeah. you know, he ran around all the bases, and it was a one, yeah. one run. And so yeah. it, was, it, was a, it, was, it was a very, uh, uh, Chip, it was just a real fulfilling experience. But for you to call, and for you to call, you also had to recognize the sadness. Oh, yeah. And the celebration took you to it. Uh-huh. Luke doing that. I got to tell my dad, oh, my dad's not here. Uh -huh. And yet it didn't take away from the celebration. Mm -hmm. It added to it. Totally. You called me to share with someone. You said, you're a, you're a bad second yeah, a terrible choice. Terrible second choice. And yet there was a second choice. You needed to share it. Uh -huh. And you said, because there's this thing in me called the voice of the heart. And uh, what did you go against? To go th even to tell it now, even yeah. What did you go against to tell that story? I went against to, to live that story. Even I went against all the shoulds. Um, I should just be happy. He hit the home run, Phil. I mean, uh -huh. I mean, I know your your dad's not here, but you should just be happy for Luke uh -huh. that that happened. Even when you, I'm sitting here looking at you. Even when you start talking that way, your head kind of raises up you look kind of down at me uh -huh. through your glasses like there's something oh, like yeah. you're talking to the real you going you know you're kind of a baby yeah you know yeah that's kind of soft don't you think i mean it's a baseball story yeah and really even though it's a baseball story it's a it's a story about life yeah and in my life in that moment it is great gladness in my uh -huh. precious son his first home run uh -huh. And underneath that was this tremendous sadness. And, and a lot of the sadness also was attached to the, the relationship I didn't have with my dad that I yeah. always kind of wished I had. And there's a language for that, too. And that's called sadness. Yes. And you were going to call a man who you wanted to care, mm -hmm. wanted to celebrate, mm -hmm. that from, you know, almost certainly wasn't going to mm -hmm. because he wouldn't let himself. No. Nope and you were going to be sad for having taken the risk of making the call. But you went at it spontaneously. Mm -hmm. You reached without thinking, totally, which is against the rules. Uh -huh. And you were going to express something that would have possibly, probably given you a bad return, and yep. you didn't care. Nope. So hope overcame reality, mm -hmm. do you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, your desire to be known overcame shoulds. And instead of living on an island, you lived on the river. And um, that's amazing, yeah. isn't it? It totally is. And there, you know, we'll... Hey, being normal is amazing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, doing what you made, living like you made to live is amazing. Yeah. And, and it, yes, and now we're going to be talking a lot more in the future. That's just one example of one feeling we have. It has a trillion ways of our funerals and losses yeah. and moving and divorce uh -huh. and all kinds of loss uh -huh. and stuff. Like. You know something my, my brother said to me not too long ago, a great awakening to him was, and when we talk about the feelings, by the way, parenthetically, um, we say so often that, you know, I know it looks like there's seven bad ones, only one good one. Yeah. Seven feelings that we don't want yeah. so much and only one we do want called gladness. But, I mean, we know that these, these, these are eight tools that let us live fully in a place that's tragic. Mm -hmm. And actually, they're gifts. But we have to start out with them. These are just the reality of the tools, but they're gifts. Yeah. My brother said for so long, 
I carried the same belief too that my pain, whatever pain that was, never could measure up to being enough to be of any consequence or value. Uh -huh. So therefore, to be uh, manly or uh, right or it just, there's always somebody who had it worse. And I told him before, I said, my awakening was pain is pain. Like, nobody can live in my skin but me, so I need to be about it, and that's mm -hmm. going to mean taking ownership of what's happening inside of me. Mm -hmm. I remember he said, just not too long ago, it hit me, Chip, that pain is pain. And then when I had that experience, I wouldn't say when I knew that. It's like when I had the experience, I began to value myself. So this is about becoming, uh -huh. not some type of returning to childhood this is about becoming human and alive and growing up grown for sure i mean right yes and and even the the i guess you call it the intuitive or the god-given part of it is you know though my dad and i were not didn't have an intimate relationship weren't close as we call uh -huh. it how very honoring it was f to him for me to have my sadness about both yes. his not knowing about Luke's home run and and the return I probably would not have gotten how honoring to his memory yes. of what I desired to have with him yes as, as an overflow didn't go into it going yes. I think I'll honor my dad right now yeah I just felt sad and talked so, about that so we never stop wishing mm -mm. we really don't stop hoping mm -mm. we we really can't get rid of desire humans are going to feel whether they like it or not we have needs which make us needy. Mm -hmm. We long for a world that isn't going to happen here. And yet, since that's how we're made, we've got it in us, then we need to, really the courageous stance is to face it, feel it, and deal with it. You know? Sure. I, what, let me, oh, excuse me, I, do you want to, let me ask you something. What made the spiritual root system valuable to you? I mean, you already intuitively went with it, and yet I watched it continue to, I mean, you're so adept. It, it's like you're a, um, you know, a professional chef. It's like you're a professional athlete. It's like you're an astronaut. I mean, it's like you just, like, do this stuff. It's amazing to me. But what, what, what made you take it on so deeply and, like, cause like Steve would say, this stuff works. You know, what? Yeah. What did that? There's one word that has a bunch of tendrils to it. Uh, it's the word freedom. These things are so important. These eight words that describe human experience in this tragic place that we talk about, they're so huge and yet just feelings at the same time. Uh -huh. uh, they're so intuitive to who we're made to be. Yeah. And all I got to do, the simplicity of how we're made, all mm -hmm. I got to do is tell the truth about what's going on internally in this language we've been given by God, not by man. Yeah. We've been given that describes to someone that cares about me what's going on in my life most in, in the most intimate terms that we have, just called the, the expression of the heart. And so, yeah. and I talked about this afternoon with some of our guys here, like that for me, if I boil it down to a word, I just have a freedom now. And I, I remember it was the same thing when I was intervened on years earlier. Like I, I kept having this thought that said, I don't have to live that way anymore. I, don't, I get to uh -huh. live a different way. And so I have found this, these tools, 
we've talked about, uh -huh. these eight tools, and I go, I don't have to pretend things aren't happening that are. I don't have to be careful and parse every syllable. I don't have to pretend life doesn't get to me. I don't have to bite my lip when my life is going on. Uh -huh. I get to use these eight words and the neediness that it opens up and the desire in me to live and the longings that I have and this hope that won't go away. Uh -huh. I, I get to use these words to be in an intimate relationship with other people. And, and that, that uh, even as you talk about that, I keep thinking about courage, that, that, that a revolution, that a revolution occurs in your life. And when we give ourselves to the process, it's a revolution. Mm -hmm. It comes from failing to be strong enough, we think, to be like others, but it's failing to be strong enough to stop ourselves from wanting something that we don't have control of and we still go get it even though we don't know exactly where it is. It's mm -hmm. like we surrender to our courage. We, we surrender to how we're made and we're made to be in full-hearted participation. That is so ironic mm -hmm. that we surrender to our courage. Yeah. We don't produce it. Mm -hmm. We surrender even to how we were born, mm -hmm. knowing what we hope for and, and wishing for a life that is beyond here. And we, we were born like wanting to participate and wanting to work. And, so like, and it's almost like... surrender to how we're made. I hear you describing that. Yeah, you can... And, and most most humans would say, or I put it this way, children would say, if you ask them, would you rather read a story about people being afraid and courageous and afraid and willing and moving into things or a technical manual on how to do something? <laughs> children are going to go, I want to read this uh -huh. story about these incredible things happening uh -huh. that are really somehow indescribable rather than something I can quantify or measure. Or Nothing wrong with either one. But you look at the, the heart of a child. Jesus said, and I know there are other connotations hermeneutically around this, but yeah. Jesus said, unless you change, it become like one of these. I can inherit the kingdom of God. Uh -huh. And let the little children come to me, for this is the kingdom of God. Yeah. He's speaking to, to uh, not naivety. He's speaking to freedom of expression mm -hmm. of an internal world versus having everything figured out and mm -hmm. making everything data. That's so wild. I, the very thing you just said, I was writing about this morning, a little blog called The Gift of Failure, that our weakness, according to the world standard, is actually the doorway into the strength that will grow uh -huh. and the strength to be able to to, to fully participate, to be known, to continue to persevere into that which we cannot get away from. Uh, no doubt about process. it. And I have heard, you have to, and we've talked about it, uh, probably a lot of the men listening to this podcast over and over and over. And women. Hear, and women. Uh -huh. Well, men that talk to me. Okay, yeah, been yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, these men I talk to who have been here will often say, I totally get it. I, I do this in my own life. I'm feeling these feelings like mm -hmm. crazy. I'm in intimate relationship with other men, mm -hmm. iron sharpening iron to tell the truth and deal mm -hmm. with the, how scary that is to do that. Mm -hmm. And invariably, I go home, and when I've lived this, not, not to do therapy with my children, but as I live this out, 
I ask these simple questions of my children. Mm -hmm. What are you feeling about this, about not being invited to the sleepover or not making the team or mm -hmm. whatever? And invariably, they said big tears came to their eyes, and they, mm -hmm. they really will tell me the story. So the process allows the content to be what it's made to be. Yeah. The process itself doesn't get rid of the content. The process is the flow of making the content worth it. I mean, the facts are about the tools we live with while we feel our way through life or something to that effect. And even, you know? even yes, and even the, the, the Gospels, they present this uh, God in human flesh. And uh, it doesn't mean one's more important than the other, but we humans, we read these narratives. And, 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 the, and the parts of the narrative that make us go, wow, really? Mm -hmm. It's when Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. Jesus is weeping about his friend Lazarus being dead. Mm -hmm. Jesus is angry at the money changers. Jesus mm -hmm. is angry at the man, at, at what's going on around this man with a withered hand, the rule keepers, like the parts we pay really close attention to. that we go, oh, these parts where God himself in human flesh mm -hmm is experiencing and speaking out loud these feelings he's having. The Garden of Gethsemane. We Christ followers read that and go, oh, Jesus is pawing the earth and he's either sweating so profusely it's falling from his head like blood. And other scholars go, no, no, he's busting capillaries. Man, he's bleeding. Like mm -hmm. he's, in, he's in intense human experience of pain, mm -hmm. the loneliness and the fear Agony. and the things that's going on. So. It's like even intuitively, we, we humans, it doesn't mean that doctrine is unimportant or when Jesus is preaching and teaching, it's unimportant at all. It means there is a human Jesus that we read in the pages of Scripture. He's having these human experiences and invariably he is, the Scriptures are telling us this is Jesus' internal world. As he's talking to these people, he's having feelings about this world. So he trusted the process. Uh-huh, I'll say. <laughs> wow. This is Stephen James, the Executive Director of Sage Hill Counseling. Thanks for listening to the Sage Hill Podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, anxiety, depression, or burnout, please reach out to the Center for Professional Excellence for help. For more than 20 years, CPE's long-term residential treatment programs have been helping professional men recover their lives, marriages, and families. To find out more, visit cpenashville.com.